Well, hey friends, it's Candace Eisner back with you again this week. And in this week's episode, which is the second in our controversial topic series, we're going to talk about how massage therapy is not really proven by science, so we have to stop saying that it is. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Well, hey, I hope you're all doing well out there, wherever you are in the world. Uh, Today, as I'm recording this, it's yet another rainy and gloomy day here on the east coast of Canada. It seems to be kind of a pattern that we've got going on. But uh, yeah, we are winding down towards the end of 2021, if you can believe that. This is the second episode in this little series that I'm doing to kind of wrap up the year, if you want to think about it that way. And uh, yeah, we're touching on another controversial topic. So let's get into it. So first right off. I know probably that introduction made some of you like go, (gasps) but that's the entire point of this whole controversy series to touch on those difficult topics that we don't always want to talk about. And honestly, there are many topics I could cover. I'm only covering three uh, in this little series. Um, But before I continue on, I want to say a couple things up front, like I always do. I just want to clarify a couple things. The first thing is that this episode is not going to be a systematic review of all the massage research that exists out there. Honestly, there are better resources than me for that, okay? I've done my own like reading of the research. I've read lots of papers. Um, I've also read some reviews of those papers from both sides, like people who are very supportive of massage therapy and people who, you know, are skeptical. Um, And I'm going to put some links in the show notes for you all so you can read some of that stuff yourself. But yes, I do suggest that you go ahead and do your own reading on this topic and try to review as much of the research as you can. As we said in last week's podcast episode, it's really important for anyone working in health and wellness to be aware of the scientific research that is out there. And the second thing that I want to say is I hope you all know that I am not saying with this episode that massage and related professions are bad or that you should stop working because you're all fakes or something like that. Absolutely not. I would never say something like that. Massage is awesome. Shiatsu, great. Thai massage is great. Other types of like hands-on body work. I'm using fingers quotes here because, you know, different people think of it in different ways, but you get you get what I'm saying. Massage and related professions are great. There's a big, 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 big difference between saying this isn't proven by science and this is fake and you shouldn't be doing it as a profession, okay? And I'll get more into that business side of things in a little bit. I'll talk about like the marketing aspects of this topic. After all, that's always our goal with the podcast, to talk about business and marketing and how these things affect you and your private practice. But for now, let's talk about this sensitive topic. So I do know that this is one of the things that many massage therapists are most sensitive about, and that is questions about the efficacy of their treatments. They tend to get very defensive about it, and understandably so. There's a lot of therapist websites out there just as an example, who have this big list of conditions and diseases and disorders that say massage therapy can treat XYZ. And if you've been following my content for a while, you know why I don't like those. And it's not because of the science side, but 
we can come back to that later on there but there's reasons why you shouldn't bother just cutting and pasting that you know list of things massage therapy can treat and putting it on your website um but in fact you know on that topic many regulatory bodies like the colleges associations similar you know it depends on where you are some some people are regulated by college some by an association some by other bodies that regulate they have lists on their websites about all the things that massage therapy or shiatsu therapy or whatever can treat and this is something that is taught at great length in most massage schools how there's supposedly all this science behind the profession how it's effective it should be set apart from other touch therapies that's something you hear a lot in massage therapy school that massage therapy is more important or more proven by science or uh, whatever and should be regulated and should be part of healthcare. So like where I went to school for just one example of the many things, um, there was this book that was sort of affectionately referred to as the massage Bible. It had treatments in it for a wide variety of conditions and it kind of made it sound like most of those were proven by like really good research. Um, as an aside here, by the way, um, I went to school in Ontario, and I'm told that uh, some of those schools have kind of stopped using that book in favor of some other books, and that the College of Massage Therapists in Ontario no longer considers it sort of, quote unquote, the Bible when it comes to the board exams. They still use it. It's still on the list of official approved resources, but it's not quite so revered as it once was. But that's an interesting tidbit of info, a little bit of an aside and sort of how things change over the years. But yeah, another side of things when it comes to massage therapy school is at least where I went to school. And I'm sure this is the case for a lot of you. I took a lot of hours of anatomy and physiology and pathology, and I had to study all kinds of things going on within the body that massage therapy doesn't really affect to a great degree, right? So on the surface, it looks like massage is 100%, well, maybe not 100, but strongly backed by science and proven and effective and should be part of the healthcare system and et cetera. And, you know, questions about whether it should be part of the healthcare system aside, it's not really true that massage is really backed by science and proven by research. And this is where we get a little controversial and where some of you might feel a bit defensive. And I understand. So in terms of the science, and let me be clear again here, science is not the end all be all of things. It's worth examining, especially when it comes to health and medical services that you pay for. Um, I'll get into the non-science stuff in a bit, like I already said. But the science, the science kind of shows that there's very little evidence that massage is an effective treatment for much of anything. So let's quickly talk about a few things massage therapists like to say massage is proven to do. Number one, increase circulation. Now I see this one mentioned all the time. It's something I was taught in massage school. I see it on infographics. I see it on all kinds of things for massage therapy, massage therapy publications like magazines and stuff. Um, but truthfully, there's very little consistent evidence that scientific studies show that massage improves circulation. And also, even if it did on the short term, like let's go back to basics here and just do some critical thinking. The body has many ways to increase or decrease circulation based on the needs of your body. And relaxation, which is a natural side effect of, you know, at least so to speak, of massage, 
that decreases circulation because when you're relaxed or when you're asleep, your body doesn't need to work hard to pump blood into your extremities. That's what circulation is, right? It keeps it, keeps it in your core. Obviously, it's still circulating through your body because you're not dead, but still, it, it decreases circulation. So you don't need increased circulation when you're relaxed. That's just not how physiology works. Um, so that's kind of a funny thing that massage therapists have said for many, many years, but there's not really science that shows that that's true. And actually, it's not really a side effect of massage that you would even really want in most cases. So another one that's commonly said about uh, massage therapy is that it helps with post-workout pain or DOMS, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. I'm sure you've all heard that one, right? Maybe you said it to clients yourself. Like you see a massage booth at pretty much every major race out there. And by races, I mean like cycling, running, triathlon, whatever, you know, all of those kinds of races. The Olympics, massage therapists go to the Olympics. I know massage therapists who've treated people at the, at the Olympics or at the Olympic level, Olympic level athletes. And yet there is little evidence that massage will remove that post-workout soreness. Any studies done on that have concluded that massage might have a small effect, but so does stretching and cryotherapy and even things like just moving your body, like going for a gentle walk. So I want to emphasize that the difference is small, as in you can't really conclude it's like super effective, as it's not a large enough change to be considered statistically relevant, right? Um, one person out there who is known for doing massage therapy, uh, reviews of research is Paul Ingram over at pain science. And I know he's a bit of a controversial person within the massage therapy profession. And some people see him as kind of attacking the profession. And I, I do understand that. Um, but honestly, I think he has a lot of very important things to share when it comes to the science behind massage or the lack of science behind the massage. So if you can read his stuff with that eye and, you know, some of the stuff where he's more talking personal opinions, you can take it or leave it. But when he's actually reviewing the science, he does a pretty good job of it. But yeah, um, talking about Paul here and back on the topic of DOMS, he says that it's ironic that massage therapists claim this thing about DOMS, you know, that massage can help with DOMS, given that it's very well known that massage often causes extra soreness after the treatment, like the next day. How many times have you told a client, oh, it's a little, it's normal to feel like a little sore tomorrow, so don't worry too much about that, right? So that does not match, right? We're telling people that massage can help with delayed onset muscle soreness, but in truth, Massage often causes a little extra soreness as you're working through things. And you might, you might now say, well, Candace, it's a different type of treatment or whatever. Well, like the science has not supported that. So, but let me be clear here, right? Is massage helpful for people who play sports? Absolutely. That's why they keep sending massage therapists to the Olympics and to like major races and stuff, you know, and like, and personal experience. I've had plenty of them myself as a runner and I used to be a student of acrobatics and circus aerial arts. I needed massage. Gosh, yeah, I did. And tons of professional athletes are still using massage. I mean, there's this video of Chip uh, Kipchoge um, getting a massage. You know, if you don't know who that is, he's like super famous uh, marathon runner from Kenya who uh, came close to running. Well, I guess he did under ideal conditions, ran under a two-hour marathon. Amazing, amazing, amazing athlete. Total like 
star in the in the running world he's and he and a really nice guy it seems like to boot but yeah there's this video of him getting a massage from his uh i guess it's a physiotherapist there but it, i mean it's totally a massage like if you watch it it's like the same techniques that massage therapists would use so so yeah also to say like there are so many people that use massage it's not just like you know uh people uh just random people it's like literally like professional athletes get it um lots of people get it for delayed onset muscle soreness and like athletic pursuits but it's pretty dishonest to say that massage will help resolve post-race or post-workout pain or doms or at least that it's proven by science so let's talk about one more and this one's probably the thing that is talked about the most in terms of uh, massage therapy can treat XYZ, and that is low back pain. Now, unfortunately, massage doesn't have strong proof for treating low back pain. You probably knew that before I even said it, because what's the topic of this, this podcast episode, right? But that's what's been studied the most. It is probably the major thing, other than relaxation, that massage therapy is most associated with. You got a sore back, go see a massage therapist. Even before physio or chiro, well, maybe chiro. Chiro and massage probably, I think, fight a little bit for that. Uh, who's mentioned the most when people have a sore back? So it's either chiropractors or, or uh, massage therapists. But is there really truth to massage helping low backs or you know back pain in terms of scientific proof we're talking about here? Well, not really. Yes, I know there have been studies published that state it is helpful. I have read many of those. Every time one of those is published, the massage community comes together and says, woohoo, here's our proof. Science says what we already knew. We can solve back pain. However, most of the time, there are very few people actually critically reviewing that research, or at least not the ones sharing it on social media and their websites and stuff. I know a few people that do critically review things, um, but... Uh, the vast majority just sort of go, wow, cool, and like share it to social media after a cursory glance. Not that I blame you. I do that kind of stuff too sometimes. Yeah, they take it at face value and they mostly ignore anyone saying, hey, this is good, but uh, dot, 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 here's some examples of problems. So let's talk about a specific example and why there are some problems with this type of research. So probably the most convincing recent example of a study that said massage therapy is effective for treating low back pain was from 2017. It was done in Kentucky. You might be familiar with it because it was all over um, the news. Real, it was called this, real world massage therapy produces meaningful effectiveness signal for primary care patients with chronic low back pain. Results of a repeated measures cohort study. Sounds like a scientific paper, right? Not the most snappy kind of title there. But anyway, the, the people who did this study, the, the scientists, they, agree, they attempted to make it a more real-world scenario, okay? So they had patients directly referred by their doctors. And they got to receive up to 10 massages over a period of 12 weeks by someone in their local community who was a, like a licensed massage therapist with a minimum of five years experience. So they wanted to make sure it was somebody who was experienced treating low back pain. The massage therapists were allowed to use a variety of techniques, whatever they felt appropriate to the condition. And yeah, at the end of the 12-week period, they reported back to the researchers doing, conducting the study. 
So in brief, the study showed that over 50% of the participants experienced some measurable relief or improvement of their symptoms after receiving massage therapy treatments. So this is made, of course, a lot of people say, yes, it's effective. Yeah, great. But the reality is there are some issues with how studies like this are conducted, and it is hard to make really definitive conclusions like many people seem to be doing. And that is true of all studies of this kind, not just this one, not just massage. So let me cover these things in brief. One of the things that makes healthcare research the most effective is when it is a double-blinded study. Double-blinded means both the researchers conducting the study and the participants, i.e. the patients, do not know which treatment they are receiving. So for example, with a drug study, researchers would be giving the same looking pills to literally everybody. They'd be giving like, you know, like a container with the pills that look literally exactly the same in a cup of water or like whatever and tell them to like take it on this schedule. Um, And no one knows of that group. So the researcher or the patients or the participants, however you want to call them, nobody knows if they got the placebo or the real drug. Now, obviously somebody knows, like it's not, it's not like how, why would that be research if nobody knew? Generally the head of the study knows who got what, and it's very, very carefully done, right? But their assistants, the researchers who are the assistants working directly with the patients, they don't know. Um, So this removes a lot of bias within the study because humans are biased. That's how we are. We're, We're subjective about things, right? The researchers won't influence the participants to feel any particular way or say they experienced relief or whatever, and the participants won't be nearly as likely to say something worked when it didn't, right? So it takes that human subjectiveness we just talked about out, or at least some of it, as much as you can. But with things like massage therapy, you can't do double blind. You can't even do single blind. The patient will know if they received massage. The researchers absolutely know who got massage. You know, I. It'd be kind of funny if there was like a study that done with like a real massage therapist versus I don't know robotic massage or something, and the the person was blindfolded. I'm now I'm now thinking of like a crazy concocted study that like no one would ever do because it would just be completely ridiculous. But yes, you know, if, if you're in a massage therapy study, you know darn well if you got massage and the researchers know darn well if you got a massage. And this is introducing bias, right? Because people like massage. Participants who don't get a massage in research studies, um, but instead they get some kind of different treatment or no treatment at all, like they're used as a control group, they're usually annoyed. They're like, man, I signed up for this massage study and I'm not even getting massage. That and that, of course, going to make them grumpy, and they're going to report certain things back to the researchers. Whereas, like the people who got their free massages are going to be happy, right? Now, back to the 2017 study from uh, Kentucky that I was just talking about. There was no other group in the study. Okay, there was no like grumpy group that didn't get to have their free massage. Everyone got massages. But everyone knew they were getting massages for free. Even now, uh, just an aside because I know this can be. Uh, something that people uh, feel a bit mixed feelings about. The massage therapists did get paid, okay? They just didn't get paid by the participants. They got paid, like the, the patients. They got paid by funding that was provided in order to do the study, okay? Um, but again, you know, back to people getting their free massages, that's introducing bias. Be honest. If you were told you were going to get free massages for 10 to 12 weeks, wouldn't you feel good about it? 
no matter how much it helped your back pain, <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you be like, woohoo, yay, <laughs> right? Um, as well, this study was pretty broad, okay? This is another issue. They mostly took anyone with chronic low back pain as referred by their doctor who was willing to go get massages, right? They're sort of self-selecting to a certain degree. These people had a variety of other conditions and issues. Some were older, some were younger, some on pain meds, some not. It's really hard to make definitive conclusions when you've got a broad population that you're looking at, which is basically like all adults, but only 104 participants total. So this gets into statistics, and I'm not an expert on statistics, so I don't want to go into this too deeply, okay? There's tons of resources out there for stuff like that. But if we're trying to make conclusions about a study, we need to make sure that the sample size, or that is like the number of participants in the study, is big enough. And since we're dealing with the broad population here, that's a pretty large number of people. So the smaller the sample of people you pick out of the whole population, the more likely you are to have errors in your conclusions because there's going to be things that you missed because the people simply aren't in the study. But the more people you include, the more likely you are to have a good representation of all factors within the population. So overall, what we're saying here is having a broad study is good, like, you know, concluding that like within like the adult population XYZ is possible or not possible, whatever. But 104 participants, given you're looking at the entire adult population, that's not a very large study size, right? So I'm sure there's other biases and issues I have not even discussed here, right? All science has issues. This isn't me picking on massage, right? When I remember when I was back in uh, my bachelor's degree, like back eons ago when I was in my 20s, and uh, I was applying for master's programs, and I was doing research and reviewing a lot of research because that's part of the process. And believe me, these things are picked apart in the scientific community. I remember doing presentations, and like they were grilling me, and that's and that's how you're supposed to do it, right? Uh, reviewers were always saying things like, "Did you consider this? Did you think about including that? Don't you think this has bias? Oh, but if you present your results in that way on the graph, you're leading people to see X when actually your results are showing more like Y." and so on and so forth. Because that's the job of reviewers and why studies go through peer review before being published and why usually there's pretty rigorous review before the paper even gets to like the peer review process, right? Because there's review within your local like uh, school community or you're uh, at the university college level, right? And then there's the review that happens when you try to publish the paper, right? There's multiple levels of review. So Alls to say, this is just an overview of one study for you all to give you food for thought, to give you things to think about when you're reading these types of research. But also, even the authors of this study, no, this isn't cold hard proof that, that quote unquote massage works. From one of the authors themselves, they literally said this when they were interviewed for Science Daily. Okay, Science Daily, Science Daily is exactly what it sounds. It's a publication that talks about new research coming out in science, right? And one of the researchers whose last name is Monk, and I'm going to read you this excerpt from Science Daily. So, quote, while the study results are promising, much more work needs to be done, Monk said. The fact of the matter is chronic lower back pain is very complex and often requires a maintenance type approach versus a short term intervention option. Additional investigation is needed to replicate the results of the initial study and to conduct a cost benefit analysis of massage therapy, Monk said. End quote. Now, an aside, we just talked about cost-benefit analysis. 
Um, that's important as if massage is going to be shown to be truly effective. That's great. But is it cost effective for people? Um, what types of treatments could be cheaper? Are, are they out there? Um, so that's something that's important to know in terms of the science and the healthcare aspect of it. But seriously, let's talk about business for a second. You should know by now that I'm not a fan of the whole, the cheaper, the better idea when it comes to your business. I am not saying that if a study came out tomorrow that showed massage was way too expensive for the effect it had, you should all lower your treatment fees or quit your job and go do something else. No, 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 no. We are not saying that at all. There is a difference between science doing that analysis since the cost of healthcare is an important consideration in our society versus you charging what you are worth, okay? Always charge what you are worth. I'm going to say that again. Always charge what you are worth, regardless of what these studies say. So this is where we get back into our marketing and business question here to sort of wrap up this topic. You should charge what you want and you need to. You just have to market yourself honestly. That's my key here. That's my takeaway point here. Can you honestly say your clients, based on talking to them and asking them, have been helped with their low back pain with your treatments? Can you honestly say that you yourself have experienced relief of your symptoms by getting massage treatments? If the answer is yes, and I suspect it is, that is awesome. You should tell people about that on your website and social media and newsletter and shout it from the rooftops and whatever else you want to do to get your name out there. Because testimonials, when used honestly, are a wonderful and effective way to promote yourself. You can absolutely talk about the effectiveness of your treatments if you have real-world testimonials from actual clients. You just can't say massage is proven to be effective in treating list of things, list of conditions. Because that hints at science and research. That's all. That's all we're saying today. Say it plainly that your clients find it effective, that you find it effective, that people get reduction in pain, that people are moving better, like what, whatever it is. That has a positive impact on people. There's nothing wrong with saying that it's effective based on your client testimonials. Just please don't keep saying, you know, it's proven by science or massage is proven to treat X, Y, Z, because it's simply not true. So I'm going to bring back a quote from Paul Ingram over at painscience.com again, okay? Because really, he sums it up well. And I think this also illustrates the fact that he's not a massage hater, if you want to think of it that way. He actually, he's actually very supportive of massage therapy. Um, and this is the quote. More importantly, the emotional value of touch and the effects on mood and mental health are so profound that patients really just cannot lose. Good quality massage therapy is a worthwhile service for anyone who can afford it, whether it works, quotes, as a treatment or not, end quote. Honestly, Paul said exactly what I'm thinking. Massage therapy works because it has emotional value for people. People like massage. They find it effective. And that's wonderful. And that's not something we need science to prove. So that's it for this week's topic. I hope that was helpful to you. Again, there will be quite a few links in the show notes for you to go and read some of this stuff yourself, make your own conclusions. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, you are staying safe and well. And I'll be back with you with one more topic on these uh, whole uh, controversial uh, topics in, uh, in just another week. Take care. 
Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. I really appreciate your time and the fact that you decided to join me today in listening to this episode. Show notes are now available for podcast episodes, and they contain links to helpful resources and other information. Just head to happylittlebiz.com, that's my website, and check out the podcast link. I've got show notes for individual episodes in there, as well as articles on other topics for building a strong health and wellness business if you just check out the rest of the site. So while I've got you, I'd like to mention I truly do appreciate it when people leave me a rating or review on iTunes if you really like this podcast. So yeah, you can do that by just going to iTunes and looking up Life Beyond the Massage Table and then clicking on that Ratings and Reviews tab to leave your own. Okay, that's it for this week. I'm sure you have other things to do, and so I'll let you get back to them. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll catch you back here another time.